is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. We're back! We spent all of November in Thailand on our honeymoon. It was amazing. I highly suggest Thailand if you are looking for something fun and adventurous. Uh, we got to walk around with elephants at an elephant sanctuary. We went into a cave. We just ate the most amazing food. And I shared a lot of this on my Instagram stories, but it was just so great to be around food and unknown and not know the ingredients, not know the calories and just trust myself and like be able to enjoy the food. And also the best part was like not feeling sick um, to the point where I had to do like a detox or a cleanse or anything um, from food, which I've had to do when we've gone on cruises or all-inclusive trips. Um, this was really just about like trusting my body and knowing I was doing the best that I could with what I had and getting to experience another culture. Um, it was just so much fun and, and it was great. Like the best trip that I've ever had. Um, but we're back. So let's get on with today's episode. One of my favorites, um, this was one of the most informative episodes that I've ever recorded um, with Corin Pierce. Uh, she talks a lot about why we do exercise, not just for the vanity and the aesthetics, but just, hey, we're getting older and our bodies need the strength. Um, there were definitely a lot of eye-opening nuggets in this episode, and I think you're really going to like it. Let's get started. I love to start with what was fitness and movement like for you growing up, say in like high school? In high school, well, I was a dancer. So mm -hmm. I started dancing. I don't remember not dancing. Like, mm -hmm. I was like one of the little tiny bitty dancers and um, mainly ballet, but also jazz, tap, lyrical, like all the different kinds of dance. And I, in high school, um, for several of the years, I was in a kind of a small not a professional dance company, but a small dance company that performed and did competitions. And that was, that was the bulk of my movement life. I did also um, a little bit of athletics some swimming. I ran track for a year. I played soccer for a few years, things like that. Um, but dance was kind of the meat of it really all the way through up to high school. And then um, I wasn't in, I wasn't into it for the professional life, right? Like I, like I probably wasn't really good enough to, to go there. And also it's a really tough life being a professional dancer. And that was not something that I was into. So, so that, that was kind of when I kind of petered off a little bit on the dance, um, and stopped moving a lot for a while. Like I went to college and like many people moved less, mm -hmm. ate more, right. Drank some beer, um, and gained weight. So that kind of classic freshman 15 situation. Um, and it was sort of coming out of college where I really was like, okay, well, this is not sustainable. You know, I got to, I got to get moving. And at the time running was the thing that I, that I went to because it was, it was easy. It was cheap. It was, you know, um, I had lots of friends who were runners. And so we did, uh, social running. So we would go and run five Ks together on the weekend and then go have brunch. And, you know, I had running buddies and that, that was, that was a pretty fun little chunk of my movement life there. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of people can relate to that. Like running is just that thing. You literally can pick up, you know, get a decent pair of shoes, go mm -hmm. out. And it's such a social thing too. Like you said, yeah. like 5Ks. And so did you ever do, um, did you ever graduate up and do other races? Um, yeah, I did. Um, I did a lot of five and 10Ks. And then I did um, for a few years there, uh, my family would run or some combination of us. There was always somebody who was injured or, or sick or whatever, but some combination of us would run the Atlanta um, Thanksgiving half marathon. 
which was super fun. And it was also social. Like my mom and I would do it together. And we, we were definitely like walk runs. We would run a minute and walk a minute, run a minute, walk a minute to get through it. Um, uh, but yeah, so that was, that was the biggest thing I ever did was the half marathon. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that walk running because a lot of people are like, oh no, I don't run the whole thing. But it's like lots of people, lots of people walk run and it's totally right. acceptable. And it's like, you have to do what you have to do and it works. Yeah. So. It's a really nice, I think, sustainable way for people because sometimes running, running is pretty demanding on the body and um, giving yourself that little break in between the runs with the walk. And you can still make a pretty good pace doing a walk run. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I love you. You've used this word a couple of times, but the sustainability and how important that is. Like, we don't think about that. Like when we start running, we're like, whatever, I just have to do this. Like no pain, no gain. got to do it. And or like, or I'm running to lose weight. So I have to like punish my body. And we don't think about like, oh, this is my one body. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And this is the thing that I think about a lot and talk with my clients about is sort of because everybody wants, like the question I probably get the most from people is what should I do? And, and unfortunately, like, I don't have an easy answer for that because it really depends a lot on your, your history, your body, your preferences. And the sh- one of my short answers is what will you do? Like, what do you enjoy? What will you be able to sustain? Um, I mean, I do sort of think there are some sort of categories of movement that everybody should hit. Um, I think you, you have to be doing something cardio. You need to be doing strength. You need to be doing something for mobility and you need to be doing something mindful. And there's a lot of overlap in those, right? So maybe a yoga class is your mobility and your mindfulness together. For some people, running might be mindfulness. Like running can be very meditative. Um, so so I, I want people to hit all of those, but there's no like one way to do it. Like, and I think sustainability is, is huge. Like what is the thing that you will keep doing? So I, like, I have some people who are like spinning is so big right now. And so people are like, well, I, I'm doing spinning but they're doing it kind of because they feel like they should be doing it. They don't actually like it. Like my husband spins and he loves it. Like it's great. He, he went this morning and he just comes back all energized. I, I can't stand it. Like it's no fun for me at all. So, so it really, there is no right or wrong to a lot of this. It's, it's your, what serves you? And that's, that's really the question that I ask. Like what, what's going to serve your body? What's going to serve your lifestyle that you can then sustain in a healthy way throughout your life? Yeah, that's huge. Yes, I tried going to a spin class and I was like, I can't. It's not for me. It's not um, for me, right. No. <laughs> but no. I have some clients who do it and they love it. Love and it. It, it keeps them moving and, I, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, I think even just that, using the word movement instead of using exercise. But like movement is so, mm-hmm. it's such a different connotation versus exercise. Exercise sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we think of exercise as punishment. But when we think about like moving our body and connecting those two words, it just right. goes to that mindful piece it kind of adds to that like oh it is like when I was a kid and I was dancing it was fun or I was playing soccer and it was fun and it was fun right and that's that's what I want people to find is like what what are the things that are fun for you that you look forward to doing that you're not like oh I have to go do this but I get to go do this you know get to Um, yeah (laughs) yeah and that that'll change through time like right now I'm actually taking a pole dancing class um (laughs) which is so much fun my teacher calls it adult recess and she's 100% right it is just this like fun little hour and a half of my week where I get to go and like spin around and hang upside down. And it's like, it's like being on the playground, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's super fun. And it's, it's a, it's, I love it because it's also movement variety. Like I'm moving in ways that I don't move any other time. 
which I think is great because that's another thing I really preach a lot with my people is, you know, it's great that you're in the Pilates studio or in the gym with me twice a week doing your thing and doing whatever other extra formal exercise that they're doing. But also, how do you get more movement into your everyday life? You know, how do you get more walking in? How do you move in more interesting ways? Like, what, what, what is it going to be for you? And it, it's going to be different for everybody, right? But you could find the ways to have, I think having the most variety in your movement is key, right? Yeah, I'm big on walking. And a lot of times people don't realize that that can be a form of, I mean, exercise or movement or that those things add up and it adds to the Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I want to touch on, so, um, I think a couple of weeks ago, you were like moving boxes and I saw this post on your Instagram and it was yes. so interesting. Can you talk about that and like the movement, um, the movement piece along with that? It sounds yeah, so, so so I also, I'm going to, I'll share this now too. I also have a, I have a history of back pain, like a pretty serious history of back pain. I've had some, a couple of years where I was really like knocked down by it fairly frequently. A lot of spasms, a lot of pain, um, a lot of moving, moving out of fear, right? That, you know, even when I wasn't in pain, I was always like, oh, I don't want to do that because then maybe it'll hurt, you know? So I was, I was adopting sort of habits that were not going to serve me in the long term. Um, and, and it's in the years, like after having children, which kind of blew all of that up even more. Um, and, you know, having small children running around and carrying them and all that. I, I did have to make some big changes and do some pretty hard work to get everything back into place, to, to build the strength around the joints that would support my spine so that I don't get the pain. Um, and I'm really happy to report that I'm in, a, I'm in a pretty great place right now where I can kind of start to challenge it a little bit and all of that. So when I was moving the boxes, my parents are downsizing. So I went to their house and I was helping um, clear out a bunch of stuff. So I was packing up boxes, moving them from one room to another, taking them down a set of stairs, taking them out to the car, driving somewhere, taking them up another set of stairs and storing them. So I was moving a ton of stuff, different shapes, different weights, some really awkward. And like the second day, I kind of noticed that I was changing the technique of lifting depending on what kind of box I was lifting up. And so I was doing some things that were more like a deadlift and some things that were more like a squat and some things that were more like a clean. Um, but I moved, basically moved boxes solid for three days and I didn't have any back pain at all at the end of it. So, so I was really excited about that. And like that little observation, I was like, oh, I've taken this stuff from the gym and taken it out into my everyday life, which is, which is really the point, right? The exercise is not the point. The exercise is to support your life so that you can do the things you want to do without fear, without discomfort. So that was pretty exciting. That was pretty yeah. exciting. No. And I think that's hard. And it, because usually exercise, but I, I didn't, and I don't think that a lot of us do think of exercise that way. I think a lot of us do think is exercise is a means to lose weight or a means Absolutely. to burn calories. But like right. taking it that way, it's like, oh, wow. Like the exercise I do in the gym can help me like in my everyday life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And those, and to me, when I, when I'm talking to my clients, you know, in the strength world, you always joke about gains and all that, but the gains that I enjoy the most are really, I call them mundane games. So they're like, I had a, a woman who was a, a, she was a wardrobe supervisor for a theater. So she was on her feet all day long, long rehearsals. Um, she had an old ankle injury that would flare up. And in the work that we did, you know, she came to, to work out with me once and was like, I made it through a whole day of tech rehearsal without any pain. And I was like, that's amazing. Like that, that to me, like, like, it's great to like, 
put more weight on the bar of your deadlift or your squatter, like those are also amazing gains, but it's the everyday stuff that I really enjoy. And like the, the grandmother who can spend a weekend with her grandchildren and not be in pain the next day, you know, I really like your, your movement life should support your regular life. I think. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah. I love that. So let's get into a little bit more. So you left college, um, and then, okay, so you're running in your personal life. What did career-wise, um, what did you move into after college? And Well, I was an actor. Oh, you were? I didn't know that. Um, after I did, I, I studied, yeah, I studied theater in college, and I moved back to, uh, ultimately back to Atlanta um, and did a professional acting internship with Actors Express, which is an amazing theater there, um, and uh, just kind of jumped into the acting world and, and worked as an actor for I don't know, five or six years probably in there. And I had the day jobs in between and all that. But during that time, I got really fed up with the day jobs and really fed up with trying, like choosing to do um, a, less, a, le- a less fun children's theater job instead of something else because it would make more money or because it had insurance attached to it. So I was looking for something else to do um, at that point. And that's when I, uh, I discovered massage therapy which and I've been I had been interested I had taken an anatomy class in high school and I was always really fascinated with the way the muscles moved and um, I really appreciated I had a, a ballet teacher in college who uh, had introduced me to Pilates a little bit and had talked a lot about the muscles and helped us to understand our anatomy a little bit which I thought was really helpful in helping me to know why I should move a certain way mm-hmm. right um and so I went to massage school and uh, that became sort of my next career. And it's probably one of the best choices I ever made in my life to, to do that because it gave me this sort of independent skill that I could take anywhere in the world with me. Um, and I worked for other people, but also my goal was always to work for myself. And so that eventually I was, you know, working for myself, building my own schedule, seeing my clients and all of that. And it supported me so that if I wanted to do a play at night, I could do the play at night and not worry about whether it was, you know, uh, a smaller theater that didn't pay very well, you know, so, so it gave me some freedom that I really appreciated at the time. Um, so that was my first kind of body thing like that mm-hmm. got me into the world. Um, and I did a great massage training program that really had a strong emphasis on really understanding anatomy and physiology and the way the body works. Um, so I did that for a while and then, um, met my husband we, we met in a play, playing husband and wife, um, and uh, got married and decided to move to LA so that he could pursue an acting career here. And originally the plan was for me to kind of do that too. And we got out here and I really quickly was like, you know what, this industry is not for me. I don't, I don't want to do this badly enough to, to go through the kind of things that you have to go through to do it. So, um, so I was just doing my massage. And, and that was good, but I was taking a Pilates class from this fantastic teacher out here, and the studio I was taking the Pilates class at um, had a training program. And so eventually I was like, you know what? This is my next thing. Mm-hmm. And so I did the Pilates training program, and so that was, that was it. Like the, the massage and Pilates, it was a really nice balance. Um, it kept it interesting for me because I, like, I've never been the kind of person who can do the same thing for eight hours and then do the same thing for the next eight hours. Like, I, like variety is really um, important to me in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so encouraging to hear. I know that there's a lot of it. So I have a lot of teachers that listen to the podcast because I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that either think it's too late to change something or there's nothing else out there, out there 
or like people that have just started running, but are like, oh gosh, I'm so, you know, I'm older than, you know, the 17 year old that started. So it's, I just think it's always so encouraging right. to hear when other women like reinvent themselves over and over and over again. Um, and just yeah. keep growing and changing. And like you said, still using the things from their past, from your past to like move forward. Like massage yes. therapy will stay with you. What you learn from that will stay with you. And obviously right. is with what you're doing now. Yeah. And I consider it, as, uh, I consider it sort of layering. So, so there was sort of dance, which gave me sort of a movement vocabulary and then the massage, which gave me the more technical elements and then Pilates, which gave me the specific framework to work in. And then, um, when after the kids and I was having all the back spasms and all of that, um, I was, I was leaning into what I knew, which is flexibility, mobility, stretching, all of that. And it wasn't serving me, right? It wasn't making it better. And it took me a while to sort of make the connection that strength was what I needed. Um, I worked with a PT who was really helpful for me. And that was when I sort of started to make that shift where I was like, oh, I don't need to stretch my hips. I need to strengthen them. Like, like I need to strengthen my hips to support my back. Right. And so, um, during that time, I, um, and I can't remember how I got to her, but I discovered Nagar Fanuni. Okay. It was an online trainer and an Instagram sort of, uh, person. And, uh, I did a program that she did called Superheroine fitness. It was sort of a group training program and met this incredible group of internet women that all went through it together and it was it was really life-changing like i sort of joke that she's my gateway drug to strength training um and really quickly i was like this is what my people need like like the pilates i love i still love pilates pilates is great but even my pilates has shifted a little bit to being a little more strength focused a little more progressive overload a little more getting into really focusing on getting people stronger, right? So that they can move better. Um, and then, and so that was my next layer of reinvention is that I moved into the strength and conditioning world. Um, I started teaching, uh, I, well, I started attending a gym in LA called Nerd Strong Gym. It was a pretty amazing place if you're ever there. And uh, one of the coaches, we talked about Pilates and he was like, oh, you should teach a Pilates class here. And so I started teaching a Pilates class there. And as I was getting more into it, I was like, I, I want to do this. I want to do the strength thing. And so the head coach there um, very graciously sort of mentored me into to doing that and taught me a lot of things that he knew. And I went and did a CrossFit level one course so that I had sort of the vocabulary for that and a little, little more um, education on teaching, teaching a group setting, like a, a group fitness setting, um, and then started teaching there and, and from that have moved into working one-on-one um, -on -one with people for strength as well. And what I found too, is that my, I separate the Pilates strength. Like they're just part of my sort of movement DNA now. So my Pilates clients are getting this sort of strength injection in there. And my strength people are always getting a little bit of Pilates and core stuff. And there's so much in common. Like that's the, the more that I learn and the more continuing education I do in different techniques and with different teachers, there's a lot more in common than there is different about all the different movement disciplines. So core stability, you know, the, how you build strength, like those things are the same wherever you go. And so it's been really fun to sort of see like where the parallels and overlaps are in all these different modalities. Um, and I think it makes me a better trainer because I have all these layers of things um, that I've that I've worked through over the years. So so yeah, so that's where I am now. And uh, moving into um, doing some online training too, which is very exciting. And in fact, just 
have signed my first online uh, client and I'm working on her program now. So uh, really excited to kind of take it out into the world a little bit and be able to help more people and sort of build a lifestyle that I want so that I have always got time for my family and my children and all of that. So it's, it's a pretty exciting place to be right now. Yeah, no, it's such a great, I'm so excited for you. And thank you. Um, and even just like, just hearing that and hearing all of the different layers, as you said it, um, to your knowledge and expertise, like understanding the way the body moves, understanding it in so many different areas. Um, it's great to hear it because a lot of times, I think a lot of us, when we first start out with something, we don't realize how all of these things are interconnected. Um, and how, you know, strength can help with this and mobility can help with this. And so we were talking about my knee before we press record, I was talking about my knee. And so I've had, my knee has been hurting and I know I'm sure there's other people listening if they're new to running and they haven't done a lot of the other work that needs to happen with running. So we were talking Mm -hmm. about, like, I'm always like, oh, I should probably stretch my knee more. And can you just, yeah, let's go over that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So this has been interesting because this has come up a lot recently is that I'll have a client who'll come in and they'll be like, oh, my, my back feels tight. Mm -hmm. So I was stretching it. And, and so tight is a funny word that I, um, I, I just just always want to get a little more deep into what people mean when they say tight, because I, my impression is that a lot of people, when they say tight, just mean I'm feeling sensation in the muscle, right? I'm feeling something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when people think tight, they frequently go right to stretching. Um, And a lot of times stretching is not the answer, right? That uh, a lot of times your muscles feel tight because they're feeling a little threatened or unsupported. So sometimes adding some strength to the joints around it. So for me, like for my low, to keep my low back happy, the probably the most important thing for me is to keep my hips strong and healthy and mobile. So I do a I do a lot of hip work on days when I'm doing deadlifts or squats. I do a lot of warming up, doing hip activation work and making sure that all those muscles are on board and ready to do their work to support the spine. And I'll say for knees as well, the first place that I usually suggest people that start working when they are having knee problems is also hips. Like I think hips are pretty crucial. Um, about the pelvis is kind of the like sort of the foundation of the body and even though your feet are what are touching the ground your pelvis is super important because so many things are connected to it and there's so much movement that that starts from and ends at the pelvis so getting the hips strong um and there are lots of different ways to do that glute bridges are great any kind of um like banded work we have a little loop a little uh, stretchy band wrapped around your legs um clams things like that to help to strengthen the hips, standing work to strengthen the hips. Um, that's all really great and, and really should help with knee issues, right? The other thing that I suggest for people who are having knee issues is doing some, is doing one-legged work so that they're not just always working on two feet, but doing some work where you do one leg, doing the other. Lunges are great. Um, anything where you're like a, a single leg squat where you're supporting yourself, holding on to something is really great. Like a, like pistol squats are awesome, but they're a super kind of advanced skill. So most people are not going to be able to do them right out of the gate. Um, but you can even touch your, you know, stand, if you stand on your right leg and just put your left toe behind you, you can do a little bit of a supported squat on just the right leg with your left foot, just helping you along a little bit, supporting the movement. So yeah, so I think it's um, one-legged work and hip, uh, strengthening hips is really, really key for um, for healthy knees. Yeah, no, that's so helpful. And I, I just love that. I, I love the idea of strong, just being woven into everything with fitness and life and mindfulness and all of that. Like 
that's like, if we keep working and getting stronger, whatever that looks like in different areas, like that we see that benefit happen. Right. Right. And that's, that's what I found is that, uh, you know, I've had a pretty wide range of clients with a pretty wide range of issues and every single one of them has benefited from getting stronger. And what I find is that people who have pain, um, even if they have pain because of uh, like a diagnosable condition that you can see on an MRI or an X-ray and the doctors said, oh, you have this, you know, we might want to do a replacement or a surgery or this or the other thing. Um, a lot of the people that I work with know that maybe surgery is something they're going to want to do eventually, but they don't want to do it yet, right? And they want to see if they can find some ways to support their movement so that they feel good and they can kind of keep that at bay for a while. So uh, strength is strength is almost always the answer for them. Just starting to build strength always in, I'll say this is really important because I think we were talking about like the no pain, no gain attitude mm. earlier. Um, uh, I have people build strength in, in their pain-free range of motion. Right, so I've got a I've got a guy who has a shoulder issue that's probably a little rotator cuff tear of some kind, um, and he's really anti. He doesn't want to have surgery. He doesn't want to go through any of that. And so we're working with him. Um, we're doing mobility work and strength work through the arms and the shoulders, and we just we work where his pain isn't. If that makes sense. So so we're doing arm circles, say, and his circles started off really small. He was like, this is all I can do. And I was like, great, that's what we'll do. We'll build their strength here. And what I've seen with him is that as we've been building the strength, that circle's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And he has almost full range of motion on that side now, which is great. Um, and, and he feels better. He still gets a little bit of pain in there. When he, when he plays golf, like on his golf swing, he gets a little bit of a twinge and he's like, but it's worth it. I can handle it if it's just that little momentary twinge. And so he knows this is a thing that he's going to want to monitor and keep an eye on over time. But for now, he feels good, right? He feels good and he can do the things he wants to do. Yeah, it's crazy. And just those little things, those little things adding up. Because you wouldn't think like, oh, doing little mini arm circles. But if that's the, yeah, but doing that and building up um, to that strength, that's really cool. That's awesome to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's really rewarding. Like that's, that's my favorite part of the job is sort of finding those ways to support people's movement because really just people just want to do what they want to do. Yeah. And I just want their bodies to, to let them do it. Right. And to not, not be acting out of a place of fear. And I know that place so well because for so many years I was moving out of fear and concern and, and to have sort of broken through that is, is really liberating. And, uh, and so now I feel like I can, I can go to the pole dance class and swing myself upside down. And I know, of course, of course, there's risk. There's always a risk with any kind of movement. There's always yeah. sort of the risk versus reward thing to consider. And that does change as you age, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, I, I have a lot of, I'm 44. Um, most of my clients are older than me, all the way up to, I think my oldest person is uh, 79. And, um, and the, the formula that you decide what you're going to risk your, your body on does change over time. Um, but I'm stronger than I've ever been right now, like, like at 44. And I didn't really start getting super strong until in my very late thirties. So, uh, there's no, there is no too late, right? There's always, you can get stronger from wherever you are. Right. And that's one of the things I tell people too. I'm like, you are where you are right now. And that is the only place you can work from. So start here, start where you are add some strength, add some movement, and see what happens. Yeah, so can we talk a little bit more about that mindfulness piece? And I guess it's coming out in the way even just that you're talking, giving directions in how to move your body, but 
what kind of mindset work or what do you do with clients um, in person or online to help with that piece? Um, one of the things I really encourage people to do is to develop some kind of um, some kind of mindful movement. Um, and, and it can be different things. Like I have some clients who really are committed to yoga and so that's their thing. And what I encourage people is to, um, and people say this a lot, listen to your body, right? And one of the things I say is, you know, just pay attention. Pay attention to what your body is feeling and what movements feel good and what maybe doesn't feel good. And if something doesn't feel good, is there a way you can tweak it to make it feel better? Because that's always the thing. Like, I don't want to immediately have somebody like, well, this doesn't feel good. And I'm like, oh, well, let's not do it, right? I don't want people to have things they can't do. Um, I want to say, okay, all right. So like uh, a client I'm working with right now, um, her, her knees are a big problem for her. And so she's she can't do a regular squat. So we're doing a box squat. So she's, she's just squatting down, kind of perching on a box and then standing up. So the range of motion is a little bit decreased, but she's still building strength in the pain-free range of motion. And I am fairly that eventually she's going to have a lot more depth in that as she works and as she gets stronger. Um, but I think you can be mindful. You can apply that mindfulness to, to any movement that you're doing. Um, and so that's like in the gym, sometimes people get a little, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, like maybe distracted by the weights and the numbers and the this and the that and the percentages. Um, and I'm always encouraging people to really, you know, deal with that in between. But then when you have the bar on your back, you're in the moment, you're in your body, you're feeling what's happening, you're ready to respond to whatever you're feeling. And that means that sometimes, um, and this happens in my own workouts too, like I'll, I'll do like the first set of something and be like, this doesn't feel good today. I don't like it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do something else. And so I usually try to find something else that's going to work on those same muscles or work on that same movement pattern, but I'll find a way to do it that feels good to me that day. Um, and I think that's really important for people too, is not just to sort of mindlessly follow the program but but be in tune with your body enough to tell when there's an issue because your body will let you know and i had a teacher a while back who would say that um i think this is a quote from somebody else and i unfortunately don't know who it is but your body starts by whispering right so it's kind of is like hey hey something's up and if you ignore it it's going to get louder and louder and louder until it's really screaming in your ear and and my goal for people is to get them to increase their body awareness enough so that they hear that whisper and can address it right away and be like, oh, something's up there. What do I need to do? Do I need to take a day off? Do I need to do some myofascial release with the foam roller or the balls or something like that? Um, so they have tools to deal with these things as they come up. Like that's really like, I wanna just give people all the tools and the knowledge of, of how to use them. Um, I think that um, speaking of like balls and rollers and things, what you're doing is like self myofascial release. There's a lot of sort of scientific debate about wh what that actually does. And I don't get into all that. But one of the things that I think is really beneficial from that is that people get more in touch with their bodies and how they're feeling. Because there are lots of parts of our bodies that nobody ever touches, that they don't get any physical stimulation at all because we sit in chairs all the time. We wear shoes all the time. We walk on flat surfaces all the time. So like your feet, your back, lots of places in your body just don't ever get touched. And so when uh, one of my goals with people, like I, I uh, use the yoga tune-up balls, the, the role model method. Mm -hmm. um, and I, one of the benefits of that is that people are, they're feeling their bodies. And, and they're like, oh, there's a spot. I didn't know that spot was there, but now I can address it. Maybe do a little work with the ball or do a little work with the roller. And then it doesn't become a big deal later. 
Yeah. No, and I, it's so, I think that a lot of times if you are new at something, it can be so scary to trust yourself because you're like, well, I've never, I've never trusted myself. I've never trusted my body. I've never listened to my body. And that even those words, listen to your body can feel so foreign. Sure. Absolutely. But like, almost like a cliche too, like, like listen to your body. Like you can picture the like, you know, crystals and chakras and all of that. And some people are like, oh, that's not my thing. But it really is just, um, I mean, body awareness is the term that I use for it. And I think people come to me with different, differing levels and people process information differently too. So some people process information in a physical way and some people don't. Those people might, might take a little more work for them to get a little bit in touch with their body, to know where their body is in space, which is pretty key too, I think, you know, that, that you're a lot less likely to get injured if you know where your body is in space, you know, like the, the people who, who have the least body awareness in my experience are the people who are the most likely to be injured. Like they don't, they just don't know where their bodies are. Right. It's interesting. My daughter, my daughter's 10. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she's growing like a weed and her body is changing in lots of ways. And she runs into people and hits people and Mm -hmm. bumps into walls and things right now. And I think it's because like, she doesn't know where her body is in space right now because it's changing so rapidly. She kind of can't keep up. Right. So, so, and that with her, like, I'm trying to just keep her moving in as many different ways as possible. And she, you know, she likes going to the gym with me. So I'll take her to the gym and we'll, we'll, you know, lift a little bit of weight. I'll teach her something. Um, and that's a fun way for us to connect too. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's like the body awareness is just not there. And that, that happens with people too, you know, and if you do sit at a desk eight hours a day and you always wear shoes and you always walk on flat surfaces, that's a pretty limited range of motion. So yeah, you're going to be a little bit out of touch with your body. So finding ways to get back in touch, like that's the key. And it's just movement, variety, you know, doing all those things. One of the things that I, um, we talked about the, the foot stuff. I did this whole thing um, a couple months ago where I really, it seemed like everybody was coming to me with issues about um, their feet. And so I started really thinking about feet and um, the ways that our feet are not served by always being in shoes, always being on flat surfaces. And one of my theories about that is just that if your feet don't get any stimulation, um, your body operates in a lot of ways, kind of like an economy, sort of like a supply and demand thing. So if your parts of your body aren't moving, your body's like, oh, I don't need to waste any of my precious resources over there. I'll put them over here instead. So, um, so giving your body some physical stimulation, moving through the joints also encourages your system to provide all the good nutrients and fluids and whatnot that, that your body or your joints need for good health. Um, and so one of the ways that I really encourage that, and I've been posting on my Instagram story a lot about this, is finding texture for your feet. So when I go for a walk in the park, um, I don't walk on the track for the most part anymore. I zigzag around and I walk over roots. And if there's gravel, I walk through the gravel. So even in my shoes, I'm trying to find ways to to challenge my feet, challenge my stability a little bit. It's great for ankle health too, to, to get like just tiny little challenges. You want to be smart about it. You don't want to do things that are dangerous. You're going to twist your ankle, of course, but but just to find ways to find that texture. And once you start looking for it, it's everywhere you go. Like that's what I found is that once I started really thinking about texture for my feet, I was like, wow, everywhere I go, there's a different kind of gravel or different kind of rocks or, you know, a different kind of, um, you know, they're all in California. They're all these, this movement toward um, 
not having lawns, but having like, like little interesting landscapes that are more appropriate to a dry climate. And so there's all these interesting textures and things in those. Um, so, so that's like, that's just a, like one little way to think about it. Like with your feet, find these extra textures, yeah. find these extra movements. And, and it's great. It's like, it's really, it's, um, it's really helpful. It's been helpful for me personally. And then for some of my clients where I'm starting to push them into this a little bit. And every now and again, somebody will like text me a picture and be like, look what I found. I found some rocks on my walk today. <laughs> and that makes you so happy that people are starting to think about that stuff in their regular life as well. And not just when they're in the gym or the studio. Yeah, that's so fun. And so I'm a former kindergarten teacher and I'm just picturing like, like all of these adults going on this little scavenger hunt through right? city, like <laughs> through their life. And it is a pretty cool thing. Like you're walking from the train to your job downtown or whatever, or like, or like my old, like when I, I worked, um, I would literally just walk from my apartment to my car in the garage and then park my car and then walk. So it was like not a ton of time, but like that being like, okay, in these like five minutes that I'm walking, I can do something with my body and my mind and like making that connection between my mind and my body and my environment. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and add a little bit of excitement to something that is otherwise pretty mundane. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if you're in a place where it feels safe to you, like obviously I wouldn't do this in the public park because who knows what you might step on. But if you're like in somebody's backyard and they have a little like gravel, you know, or maybe those little smooth river rocks, like take your shoes off and see what it feels like to actually put some pressure into your feet. Um, we have in the Pilates studio, a, a, like a plastic cobblestone mat. So it's like it, it mimics stones and I have people walk on that sometimes. And that's a great thing to have too at home. Um, but I do have a client and her, her mother is wheelchair bound and she's trying to find ways for her to increase her movement. And so she made a little home version of it. So she got a little Rubbermaid bin and filled it with little river rocks. And then another one, she filled it with sand. And so her mom has this, these two like little sensory uh, things to do with her feet that she can do while she's sitting in the chair. Um, so, so there's, yeah, there's always ways to find more movement in your life. Like, and once you start looking for it, it they, just, they just sort of present themselves to you, right? It's, it's not that hard. And it's little tiny things that don't take very much time or very much effort that can make a huge difference overall. When you look at like a whole week's worth of that, yep. that's great. So you're not just moving when you're doing your one or two hours of exercise a week or you're in the studio or you're in the yoga, you know, whatever you do your movement, but you're sort of starting to move more everywhere and movement begets movement. The more you move, the more you're going to move, right? It just, it just, uh, increases exponentially, you know? It does. Yeah. Those little things add up and then they're doable and they're sustainable versus these overhauls that we try. Right. Yeah. I like that. Going back to that word sustainability. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That's one of the things I really like about your nutritional approach. Um, this sort of like normal eater, like you don't need a special, you know, I say that sometimes it's helpful to have, like, I think for some people, a little nutritional reset maybe where they temporarily make some big changes, but then it should always be with an eye toward like, this is the way I'm going to eat the rest of my life. Like, how do I make something that I can do that's sustainable um, forever instead of in this six weeks, in this four mm-hmm. weeks, you know? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, we know what happens. <laughs> we know what happens right. on yeah. day 29 or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. No, and, and I, I think that that – and I, I really do start – I really am seeing this more about in the fitness world, like sustainability and connecting back to the mind and connecting back to life and, like, just, you know, being able to function in life, like that, you know, those things, adding value to our life and then not just being taking away no pain, no gain and um, just 
just those coming from those places of hate, but really just coming from a place of adding value and yeah, it, and it's, it's an exciting thing to see. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, a lot of my clients are older and so they're thinking mm. sort of in this long game way, like part of what they're seeing me for is to stay out of a nursing home. Right. And this is, it's really um, because people are moving so much less and are so much less strong. um, People are going to nursing homes, not because they're so sick that they need full-time care, but because they can't get out of bed or get off the toilet, things like that. And I'm like, Oh, nobody wants that to be the reason you give away your independence. Right. And that's, it's kind of hard sometimes to think, to get younger people to sort of think of that long game. Um, in that long game way. Uh, but that's, that's one of my goals with people. And so I talk about that a lot. I'm like, listen, you want to squat because getting off is a squat. Right? Yeah. Like You're this right. is your real life. It's not just barbells and kettlebells, right? This is how does it serve your real life um, to, to move these ways? Yeah. Wow. I never, I really never thought about that before. Right. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about like that, that people, people don't, but that's, uh, we are we are as a society much much weaker than people were 30 50 100 years ago we just do so much less physical labor in our lives we we're, we've convenienced a lot of things out of our lives and so uh, so figuring out how to it's funny right and most of that's like I don't want to say that's a bad thing like I don't want to live on a farm and have to work from sun up to sundown like right I don't want that mm-hmm. that's, that's not my thing um, but I do want to find ways to keep my body healthy even as I have all these conveniences in my life, you know, that, that allow me to have time to focus on other things, which I love. And that's great. And, and I think better for the world in general. But, um, but I think we do have to consider that, like what, what, what the trade-off is of that movement wise and how we can sort of try to find ways to, uh, to increase our movement that isn't just formal exercise. You know? I think so. And I think, and I, I love the way you put that where, you know, like we can feel like, this is cool. Like, yeah, we don't have to work 18 hours on a farm. And so it's kind of a privilege. Like, the jobs that we have, sometimes it, it stinks that, you know, what it's done to our body. But this is a privilege. But we can also find those ways to, you know, still add health to our body and still sure. make sure our body is functioning and, you know, can live a strong life. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, I think that comes down, like, a lot of times people are like, well, what is, what's your why? What's your why for the things you're doing? And that's, that's what I, what I find for a lot of people is they're finding the why is, is um, being around for their grandchildren. And, you know, for me, it's like my children have really inspired me a lot to move well and to be healthy because I want to be around for a long time. Like I want to meet my grandkids and my great grandkids if I can. So mm-hmm. um, having those kinds of uh, motivations and then finding the smaller goals as you go, I think go a long way toward, toward helping you to play that long game of sort of, health and fitness over your entire life. Definitely. Yep. Awesome. Great. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. It was so great talking to you. I feel so, this is, these uh, podcast episodes are always like therapy for me. I'm like, oh, so many things. To think oh about. yeah, I bet. I bet. No, this has been really fun. It's great to talk to somebody about all of this stuff. I love it. Definitely. So um, where can people find you if they want to connect with you, follow you, um, or find out more information about working online with you? Um, so the main place now is Instagram, uh, and it's Corn Pierce Fitness, C O R R I N P I E R C E Fitness. Um, and uh, currently working on website, uh, Facebook, business page, all of those things. So those will be coming soon too. But if you follow me on Instagram, you can find it all through there. Great. 
Great, cool. Yeah. I will have the link to there or the link to your Instagram and people can find you. Thank you so much yeah. for today. Thank you so much for having me.